Amen. Let's stand all over the house this evening. Let's sing an old hymn of the church. What a friend we have in Jesus. Let's worship the Lord. So we sing Remain standing for prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you today. 
We glorify your name and we magnify you today. Father, I pray you would be with us for the remaining portion of this service today. We thank you for the spirit of God that we felt in the house this morning. We ask God that that same spirit be in our midst this evening. Father, we just will give everything that we do, every song, every note, every message, scripture that is read, let it be for the advancement and the glory and honor of the kingdom of God. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the people of God said amen. And then we take a few minutes tonight and welcome those around you today. Let's remain standing this evening. Let's continue to worship the Lord today as we sing uh, praise and worship tonight. We're going to sing an old song, I Feel the Rain. So let's worship the Lord together.
Oh, we love you, Lord. We glorify your name today, Lord. We decree and declare that this is your house, and Lord, that you are, there is nothing in this world that is better than you today. We decree and declare that today. I searched the world, but it could not fail me.
For the God on the mountain is still God in the Sing this old praise chorus together. My God can do anything.
chorus
Troubles your troubles, hearts are mended in the present, in the present of the King. Father, we stand in this house today thankful people thankful that you are a God that supplies all our needs according to the riches of Christ Jesus thankful that we serve a God that is as close as the very mention of his name thankful that we have a God that sticks closer than a brother thankful that we serve a God that is high above heaven and earth the, the glory of God the train of his robe fills the temple and in your presence there is just consistent worship of holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come God I know that this may be a small faction of the praise you hear on countless campuses across this world and in the throne room of heaven but father I pray that the incense that we've offered up in this house of worship would be a sweet aroma that would burn and would permeate the heart of God and you would savor and you would inhabit the praises of your people and therefore come down and make yourself known to us in this place we are in your presence when we gather together in your house we come for a sole purpose and that is to uplift the name of Jesus Christ for your word says if you be high and lifted up you draw all men unto yourself so today Lord we lift you up we ask that you draw us closer to you as we get ready Lord to break the bread of life I pray today that our eyes would be open, our ears would be open, and our hearts open to be receptive to receive the word. And therefore, Lord, let it be a challenging word, a changing word, a convicting word, maybe for some even a chastisement word that would help them to be able to leave this place different than they came today. Father, I thank you for the praises and the musicians and all that, that helped lead this worship tonight. I, I pray you would bless that continue to go forth with us for the remainder of this service. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the people of God together said amen. 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 You may be seated if you can in the presence of the Lord. While you're seated I'm going to ask you to go to the book of 1st Chronicles chapter 27. 1st Chronicles chapter number 27. We're going to begin reading there in verse 28 just one passage of scripture. First Chronicles 27 and 28. First Chronicles 27 and 28. 
verse 28. Once you have it, I'm going to ask you if you will stand again just for this scripture reading. It's only one verse tonight in scripture, and I'm only going to really look at the latter half. I'll read the entire text to you here on verse 28, but I'm only going to focus on one portion of this. Baal Hanan, the Gerdorite, was over the olive trees. He was in charge of sycamore trees that were in the lowlands. He was the pruner. His job was to take care of the trees, make sure they grew, make sure they were taken care of, make sure that they were fertilized. But Joash, he was over the store of oil. In some translations, in the King James, they call it the cellars. He was over the cellars of oil. That's it. That's all he gets. He doesn't get a big hurrah. He just gets, and Joash was the keeper of the oil. Next verse. And he moves on. I want to focus on Joash tonight. Not King Joash. Not the one that was going to be king. Just the young man who is known nowhere else in Scripture except one time. They use names multiple times, like Benjamin, Joash. They... That was a common name of the day. This is not King Joash. This is just a young man who had one job. Keeper of the oil. And that's what I want to focus on tonight. I want to talk about the keeper of the oil. The keeper of the oil. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today once again to be in your house with your people. I pray, God, that you would bless the remaining portion of this service. Lord, hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Help me decree and declare what thus saith Almighty God in this place. And help us, God, to leave this place. God, feeling better than we entered in because of the presence of Jesus Christ. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the people of God together. Said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Sounds like an odd scripture just to focus on to be a focal point of an entire message. It seems like almost out of place in the Bible. In fact, without understanding the biographical background of what's going on, in this story, it almost seems as if you could read this in your chronological Bible and just read right over it and be like, okay, Joash, keeper of oil, next page. And not realize the significance of that few words in that verse. He doesn't even get a whole verse. He doesn't even get the whole verse to himself. He gets the tagline. He doesn't even get the main part. The main part is for Baal Hanan, who is the Gerdite that gets to be over the trees and the vegetation and the plants, he gets the big one. And just right at the last second, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, Joash, he, he keeps oil. Next person. But to understand that scripture, you have to understand the whole context. The whole context actually starts back in First Chronicles chapter 23. First Chronicles chapter 23, Bathsheba goes to David. Well, actually in chapter 22, she goes to David and she tells him, Brought your, your sons are fighting over who's going to be the next king. You've got to make a choice. You promised me after we had infidelity and our baby died, you promised me in your words of comfort that when our next baby was born after the sins that you've committed, you promised me that my son Solomon was going to be king. But now here it comes. You're getting older. The Philistines are constantly fighting you. 
they're afraid to let you, the, enemy, the armies of, of Israel are afraid to let you go into battle because they're afraid that you're more of a vulnerable nuisance than you are a helper. So they don't even want you to go to battle anymore. Your sons have already started revolting. One of them has already revolted. And you're having others now fighting for the kingdom. You've got to make a decision here soon. You're dying. You're getting older. So David listens to the words of Bathsheba and he hears her heart and he calls for his son Solomon and he gives him a charge and he says, son, I'm going to make you king. We're going to prepare the royal festivities. We're going to have the triumphal cavalcade. We're going to have the pomp and circumstances. We're going to call the high priest in. He's going to anoint you. We're going to have the big hoopapalooza. And everybody in Israel is going to watch me transfer the crown from my head to the head of yours. And so David gives him some instructions. Follow the Lord your God. Walk in the principles of God. Our God is the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Stay true to God. He'll keep you, son. And he gives him words of wisdom. David then calls everybody in. He calls his royal officials in. And they begin to set up, if you will. And, and by verse number, or by chapter number 23, David confirms Solomon as the next heir. Puts everybody's thoughts and questions to rest. Puts it all to bed. And he says, you know what? Solomon is king. But he begins to realize that before he dies, David wants to set some things in order. He wants to get some things lined up so that when Solomon officially becomes the king and David passes from this life and Solomon is the royal heir, if you will, that Solomon doesn't have to face all these challenges. So David starts setting up, if you will, all of the way the court was going to look, the royal court, who was going to be over what. And David starts giving the divisions, and he says to certain of you, you're going to be over this, and to certain of you priests, of the Levites, you're going to be over the house, and the musicians, you're going to come from, the, from Asaph, and the sons of, of Korah, you're going to sing, and you're going to worship the Lord, and then he starts talking about those that are going to be of, of different parts within the guards, and the royal officers, and the, and the, the royal army, and by chapter 27... He starts telling who's going to be leaders over what tribe. And towards the end, David said, now I'm going to give some special jobs to people. And he has everybody's attention. He says, I'm going to make some people in this room get some pretty special things. They're going to be over the king's stuff. They're not just going to be over certain jobs. They're going to be over the king's stuff. And he begins to divide it out. And he begins to say over the royal treasuries and over the castles and over the villages and over the vineyards and over the trees and he gives all of these job descriptions he realizes his time on earth is winding down so he gives everybody this I want you to listen up no doubt I'm sure like there would be today if somebody was transferring their company there was a fortune 500 company to the next generation and he said, you know what, before I transition, I'm going to promote some people. I'm going to give some people some new jobs in the company. No doubt everybody would probably realize that there are some people that would probably lobby for more prestigious positions. There would be people that think they deserve to be the CEO. There would be people that think they deserve to be the manager. There would be people thinking they deserve to be the chief financial officer. They would be putting in their resumes and lobbying for why they're the best candidate for the better job. No doubt there were some that were lobbying for positions with David. I'm sure there were some that aspired to have more notable and visible tasks in kingdom administration than others. Every ear was captivated by David. 
And David began to read his announcements over the vineyards will be, over my trees and over my landscape will be, over my treasuries, all of my things that I own will be. So-and-so is going to be over my gold. So-and-so is going to be the watcher of the silver. So-and-so is going to watch over my vineyard. So-and-so is going to be watching over the villages and the cedars and the towers of Lebanon. So-and-so is going to be over the army. So-and-so is going to be over. And he goes on and finally he says, and finally the keeper of the oil in the dungeon is Joash. You're dismissed. No pomp, no circumstance. In fact, by verse 28, as soon as he says the cedar, the over the sellers of oil was Joash, by verse 29, it says, Now over the herds that fed that fed in Sharon was Shatir and Sharonite over the pasture lands. David just moved right on. He did not elaborate on what it meant to be a keeper of oil. He didn't say, now let me explain this job. The next guy up for election, his job is going to be, and read the job description. He literally just said, keeper of the oil is Joe Ash, and moved on. Now on the surface, you may think, big deal. The reality of it is, I'm sure to Joe Ash, at first, that was a little bit of a dejection. A little bit of a hurt. Everybody else is waiting to hear their name for prestigious awards and jobs in the administration. But he's over the sellers of oil. The meeting is adjourned. There are no questions. There are no arguments. There are no appeals. Everything is considered a done deal. While some started celebrating their appointment, others had to cope with the reality of the disappointment that was attached to their life and the task given. Joash must have been one of those people that had to adjust to the reality of what the king just asked him to do. Think about it. Some of the other jobs, you're going to get seen before the masses. If you're over the army, you get to tell everybody what to do. If you're over the silver, you're in charge of the money. If you're over the gold, you're in charge of the wealth of the kingdom. If you're over the towering cedars of Lebanon, you're over the resources. If you're over the vineyards, you're over the, the food and, the, the, if you will, the substance of the kingdom. But don't misread the Bible. It said he was the keeper of oil in the cellar or in the store. But you have to know where they kept the oil. The oil was not kept where everybody could get, on, get to it easily. It was in a dungeon. It was in a, if you will, at the bottom of the castle. It was, it was, it was a palace. It was, it was at a place where no one had really access to it because it was designed to be only for the king when he needed it. You see, many of us in our lives, we have to go through seasons of adjustment periods. Sometimes we may be called or appointed by God to do something for the kingdom that we didn't really want to do. See, a lot of people might want to be a musician because to be a musician means you're seen on stage. Just yesterday we had a small get-together at my house with some of my just family and, and um, a couple of close friends with Micah and uh, a little small birthday party. And my cousin came over and Brianna's brother was sitting at the piano playing some random song. 
And my cousin was enamored by my brother-in-law virtuoso pianist skills. My brother actually is not a virtuoso pianist. He knows about three songs he learned off of YouTube, and that's the only three songs he plays everywhere he goes. You ask him anything outside of those three songs, he can't play them. But those three songs, he's got down pat. And my, he was playing that one song, and my cousin was stunned. My cousin got so stunned that he actually got a piece of typing paper and asked my brother-in-law to write down the notes he was playing. Because he wasn't learning. Videotaped it. Then he asked me to write down what those notes were. So I'm writing like A, B, C, you know, all the notes that my brother-in-law played. Then I asked my cousin, can you go home and you sit down at, at the piano, wherever you get the piano from, are you going to even know where B is on the piano? You got to understand, my cousin's never played this. He's a drummer. He's never played piano in his life. He said, no, where's B? Well, how are you going to play what I just wrote on this piece of paper if you don't even know what note on the piano is that note? He said, well, I got this video. I watched the video, and he was so enamored. It's so bad, he called, he called me while we were in church this morning, but obviously my phone was off. His church starts earlier than ours. He called me all, while I was at church. I'm on the way to Little Pappy's for lunch today. I called him back thinking some he never calls except, you know, an emergency. I thought something tragic happened. He called me, and he said, hey, I did a favor. I said, what's that? He said, I need you to help me find a piano so I can learn this song. I said, are you, are you going to learn to be a piano player? Are you going to take piano lessons? He said, no, I want a piano just to learn this song. Then I can give that piano back. I just need to borrow it so I'll learn this song. I said, what are you going to do when you, people ask you, do you play? He said, I'm going to play this one song. And when they ask me, do you know anything else? He said, oh, I don't want to. I'm good. I just, I'll play one song. I don't really want to take much more of your time. Some people aspire to be musicians. Being seen, being heard. In church work, some people aspire to do jobs that are credible. They don't mind being a Sunday school teacher. Brother Randy, Brother Marion, and others, they do an incredible job leaving Sunday school. If Brother Marion happened to tragically drop dead, and Brother Randy had a, ha, a, uh, happened to tragically drop dead, and I told Brianna, we got two classes to cover, I'll cover one, you cover the other, she's going to say, we're going to have a combined Sunday school class today. That's her style. That's fine. But we see when you walk into church, if you come to the main auditorium for Sunday school, you're going to run into Brother Marion before you ever hear me preach. He's the first guy you're going to see. You go to the back, back there, Brother Randy's going to be the first guy with some thought-provoking question of the day on a board for you to have to answer. Some of them are thought-provoking, and you really don't know how to answer them because they're set up. But you're going to have a question of the day. You go to my left, or to my right, to your left, you'll be in a teenage Sunday school class. You go to my left, to your right, you're going to walk in there and watch Miss Sandy realize how she has gray hair because of the children she has to deal with on Sunday morning. Sometimes. You go and you stand in the back and you go to pick up your kids from children's church, you're going to run into Miss Jeannie or Miss Glenda or Miss Sandy or Brianna somewhere on this property. We would say those are noble jobs. What about the person who cleans the church? Nobody sees them. Nobody saw that we had community yard sale here on Friday and Saturday, and because we had people coming in and out to eat and to have to do that, that the same people that were working the community yard sale, when everybody packed up at 1 o'clock and gave it to the company we gave it to to take it to their ministry. When everybody packed up and left, one person stayed behind to vacuum this entire church while everybody got to go home. Somebody cleaned the bathrooms on Saturday night while the rest of us got to rest. Somebody had to set up tables and chairs and classrooms to make sure that everybody had a Sunday school class to go to this morning while the rest of us rested. Nobody was here and saw it, but I still think that would have been a pretty important job. 
Because what if we came in here this morning and toilet paper would have been all over the property and there would have been uh, trash everywhere and debris and grass and mud all over the carpet. First thing we'd want to do is we'd want to call the pastor. I don't know who cleans the church, but we need to be looking for somebody else. The reality of it is the reason we're looking for somebody else is because you didn't volunteer to help her clean it. That's a, it's not a job you see. It's not a job that everybody signs up. You, if I were today, put a sign-up sheet on that foyer in that connection center and said, okay, we're going to just let people volunteer once a week, you know, one, one time a week. We'll let families rotate. I've been there and done that. I've served in churches. I've lived in churches that have done this or whatever. They, you don't get a lot of sign-ups for that. More often than not, the senior pastor's family cleans it because nobody else will sign up on the sheet. Hello. But everybody wants a clean church when they come on Sunday. Now, I will say some people don't keep their house that good and clean, so I don't know if I want them cleaning the church. But the reality of it is nobody may not even know who cleans this church, but God does. God knows exactly who that is. You don't know how many countless times on church properties and campuses, including here, somebody may come in and limb a tree, cut the grass, put in a new light somewhere because we're having issues with electrical so they come in and fix it so by Sunday morning it's in they don't get paid you know we put all these lights in to change the trajectory and face of the way the inside of this building looks we bought the materials but not one person took a dime to install them and it took two weeks to do it from their families from their communities they didn't take money but they gave time but you know who noticed God did God noticed we don't take into credit how many people might be the one that goes to Walmart on Thursday afternoon and buys about 13 to 16 dozen cookies so your grandchildren and children get cookies on Sunday morning. We all like taking the cookies. But I'm going to tell you right now, this church has never one time physically out of pocket bought a cookie to give to children. We give them out under the umbrella of our church, but somebody else pays for the entire bill, not our budget. So when little Johnny leaves church today with 12 with a dozen cookies while we're all glad that Johnny got snickerdoodles we don't understand it took somebody's time to go to Walmart this week to buy Johnny snickerdoodles for Sunday morning and if you're like this Sunday morning when you had about 16 children between 12 to 13 in the back and 2 or 3 in the back and you got 16 dozen cookies you've got to give out it can get quite expensive to do that job but you know what's going to be here next Sunday morning the Lord willing 16 more dozen cookies nobody else had to go buy. God sees that. See, there are things throughout this journey we live on that they may not be the grandiose jobs, but God notices. God sees them, and God appreciates them. There have been times that I've been in churches, including this one, where I come in, I've, even at this last church that I served at before here, going at different times of the day no one even knew anybody was supposed to be there in fact you thought nobody was supposed to be in the office you had to go by to pick up something out of your office and I've seen it here too you thought you were just going by nobody here you walk into the door and you hear people just around the building praying nobody even knew they were there they didn't expect me to show up and I didn't expect them to be there but when I walked into the campus they were walking around praying in the church they didn't ask for credit but you know who noticed God noticed God noticed. See, what I'm trying to say to you is that there's many times in our lives we may want to be in the limelight, but sometimes the job gives us, the job that the kingdom of God gives us 
may not be limelight material here, but it may be illuminating everything in heaven. Because you know what the oil was used for? Illumination. David had to have oil to light the palace. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have DPU. They didn't have Berkeley Electric. They didn't have Santee Cooper. They didn't have Dominion Energy. They had oil. And if David runs out of oil, it's going to be dark in the house. There's not going to be ability to cook. So the guy that's keeping the vineyards that has all of the vegetation and stuff for us to eat, if we can't see, guess what we can't do? Cook. If we don't have oil to light the match, the flame, to get the heat started to cook the food, guess what we don't have? Food. If we can't see, we're limited on what we can do. So that oil was pretty important, even though nobody else seemed to care where it was located. Joash didn't get a big out of boy for his job, but his job was just as important, if not more important, than anybody else's David gave out. And the fact that David gave the oil to someone said he was a man that was worthy of being trusted with the most precious commodity the kingdom had. That was the oil. Sure, being a captain of the army was great. But if you're, if you're fighting for the territory of Israel, you're, you're not at the palace. You're fighting on the war front or on the forefront of the battle. Joash's job was to wake up every morning before everybody else and make sure there was oil in the palace for the day. Make sure there was oil in the lamps. Make sure there was oil in the kitchen. Make sure there was oil in the, in the throne room. Make sure it was everywhere. His job was to get up before everybody else and make sure the day was ready to go. So there's a couple things I want to point out about this keeper of the oil. There's a certain place of service. You've got to understand where this oil was located. This oil was not located in a glass box on the top floor. Right as soon as you walked in the front door of the palace, you saw this big old box, and only one guy was standing there with a key. And said, oh, let me see. Do you got permission? Okay, and unlock it. No, no, you know where it was located? In the dungeon, the cellar. Where it's dark, damp. Dirty. If you wanted to really look at it in today's society, it would be like when you put something in your basement. You know what you do when you put stuff in your basement? You leave it there so it collects dust. You don't take people. When you when you invite people over for dinner, see your house, you normally don't say, hey, let me give you. When they say, oh, I've never seen your house before. I'd love to see it. You normally say, oh, well, sure, you know, this is the bedroom. This is the, you know, I'll tell you, let's go down to the basement. I want to show you what I got down there. It's pretty cool. Most people don't take you to their basement. Unless you're in a horror film. And then you might end up seeing someone's basement. But you don't go visit basements because basements are the junk hole, right? They're where you keep your junk. It's where you keep all your stuff you don't want or you don't need. Basements have most of the time this musty odor or, or this damp smell. It's just not very pleasing if you have allergies. Basement. And every day, Joash has to go to the dark place, the damp place, the dirty place, to get the most powerful commodity of the day, the oil. The reality of it is, when we look at it from the perspective of Joash, we realize that this work would have been hard. It would have produced hardships. There are many of us that love high and lofty places, but sometimes we are called to places no one else will go. You see, our place of service may not always be a pleasant place of service. 
We like pleasantries, but sometimes our pleasantries are not the will of God. God never promised that we would enjoy the journey every day. There are no guarantees of popularity. There is no guarantees of appreciation. There are no promises of big houses or luxury cars. There are no promises. There's only promises that God will give you a peace that surpasses understanding. There's only the promise that God will give you the supernatural strength. There's no promise that it's always going to be good. It's just a promise that you will make it. In fact, Jesus very seldom was surrounded by pleasant conditions. Most of the time, Jesus' conditions were around storms, sick people, death, infirmary, people that were outcasts, beggars, lepers, tax collectors, IRS agents. Most of the entire volume of Jesus' life, the majority of his life was spent in unpleasant places. Yet he knew that's where he had to go. He knew he was a keeper of oil. And the oil was in dark, damp, dirty places. That's why when the Bible talks about our journey of faith and what we are supposed to be like when we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we don't have to sin, but sometimes we have to go to places that no one else is willing to go. That's what missionaries do. Missionaries go to Africa. Why? Because nobody else wants to go live in Africa. Missionaries go to China and do underground churches. Why? Because nobody else wants to take that chance to go live in underground China. They go where no one else wants to go to reach people where they are in dark, damp, and lowly places. They go to places that are not pleasant, but the will of God took them to places that were not pleasant. The reality of it is all of our lives are filled with dirt and sin and all that stuff. There are times on our spiritual journey that we are the light in the darkness. And sometimes we have to go into the darkness so the people around the darkness can appreciate the value of the light we carry. See, in that dark dungeon cellar where the oil is, all of the, it had all of the ingredients for potential to be illuminating. But you know what? If you turn the light on in the basement, no one's going to see it because it's in the basement. But if Joash, Brother James, brings the oil from the basement, to the top of the palace walls where the windows are and he lights it up there guess what everybody for miles and miles and miles can see the light burning in the top of the castle or on top of the palace if we keep Jesus to ourselves yes he might be bright in our lives but if we don't go into this world and show this world they'll never see the light unless we turn it on in front of them they'll never see it the place where he sat was a very difficult place, but yet he knew that was his job. I remember the story of Elijah concerning his move to Zarephath. The Bible says that God said, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there, for I have commanded a widow to provide for you there. There are times in our lives we must answer the are you there questions of the calling of our lives. Sometimes God may send us to places we think, do I really have to go there? I'm sure there's, if I were to bring in every missionary on a foreign mission field and let every one of them testify, and we had days and days and days to hear their story, I guarantee you I could ask one question and probably get a, an answer that is absolutely uniform across the board. Did you always want to go there? guarantee the mass majority of them will say that wasn't my first dream 
you don't hear a lot of people when they write in their yearbooks, I want to go be a missionary in China so that I can die if I'm caught in their senior yearbook. Yeah, you hear about doctors, neurosurgeons. You hear about people want to be police officers. Or you may even hear a couple be like, oh, I want to be a worship leader or a pastor. Very rarely do you see somebody says, I want to go across the world and be persecuted for my faith. That's my dream. Yeah, right now, even under the sound of my voice, while we're here, there's someone out there in this world or somewhere on this globe that is probably being persecuted because they're preaching the same Jesus that I'm freely discussing with you tonight about. The difference is we're all going to leave here and go sleep in a comfortable bed. They may find themselves in a dungeon that's dark, damp, and dirty. They may find themselves without eyes or without ears or without tongues to preach the gospel. They may even find themselves on the very verge of eternity because their life is going to be taken from them while they preach the same God that I'm preaching now. Hello? We have a comfortability around these places. So we know that that was the place of service. But there was also a purpose. you got to understand how valuable this service was. He was over the precious oil for heating, illuminating, nurture. It wasn't glamorous, but it was essential. We are called the servants of God. We are guardians of his most special commodity. In fact, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 says this. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. The bo our bodies belong to the Holy Spirit. And the oil of the Holy Spirit should reside within us. You say, what do you mean, preacher? I mean, because if you know anything about the Old Testament tabernacle structure one of the jobs the priest was to do was to not just use yesterday's oil for today's lighting and that priest would get up that morning on Monday morning and he would use the oil for the day if there was any left over his job was not to put it in a mason jar and on Tuesday morning use that oil first and then if that ran out then go get some more his job was to every morning start with fresh not, not yesterday's fresh oil. Throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit is described in terms of oil. In fact, when you read throughout Scripture, a lot of times the Holy Spirit is, is, is shown as water. He is shown as fire. He is shown as wind. But he's also described as oil. Oil. And what people do more often than not, they try to live off of yesterday instead of serving God and asking God for something fresh today. They try to still live on the bread of yesterday, but when the children of Israel would try to keep yesterday's manna for today's substance, the Bible said that worms would get in and then they'd rot. Because God didn't want them to eat yesterday, He wanted them to eat today. Because what would happen is, if somebody said, well, it's Tuesday, tomorrow's Wednesday, I'm just going to save some manna, I'm going to ration it. Because I'm too lazy to get up on Wednesday morning and go get the manna that's going to be shown on Wednesday morning. I'm too lazy to do that. God would curse the manna from Tuesday night. The only time they could have holdover manna was the Sabbath day. Go remember. God on the Sabbath day would allow them to save it up and store it so that they didn't have to, quote, get enough on the Sabbath. But every other day, they had to get up. They had to get their own bread. They had to get up and collect it. Only the Sabbath day did they get to hold it over. Every day 
We can't live off of yesterday. Every day we need to read his word. Every day we need to talk to him and commune with him. Every day we need to pray to him. Every day we need We don't need to just read our Bible on Monday and not pick it back up till Friday. Every day we need something fresh to hear from God. Because what we face on Monday may not be what we face on Wednesday. And what we live on on Monday, while it may be good, we may need a different rhema word. We may need a different scripture. We may need a different prayer come Wednesday. Monday and Wednesday may not be the same. Some people's Mondays, they're on mountains. By Tuesday morning, Brother James, they're in a valley. One phone call changed the day. Some people on Wednesday were on the valley, but by Saturday they're on the mountain. You never know what life's going to bring. But the purpose of this job, the purpose of this oil, was to keep it as a special commodity in service. We give our heart to Jesus Christ in the temple of God. The Spirit of God moves in and makes Himself into the lives of our into our lives and become the temple of God. He brings His Holy Spirit presence with us. Therefore, we have a purpose. Jeremiah talks about our purpose. He has plans for us. All throughout Scripture, the Bible talks about the purpose of God, that even before we were sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible talks about that God always was making a, preparing for us a place in heaven. God always has a purpose for our lives. He always has. The last thing I want to bring your attention to, but there was the person, the person of service. I read it to you. Bel Hanan, he's going to be over all the mighty trees. Oh, by the way, Joash, you got the you got the sellers of oil. Next, not a big hoorah, but what you have to understand, not everybody got a job. Now I'm going to say something that's probably going to get me in a lot of trouble, so I apologize in advance. I'm going to say it anyway. There's not a lack of jobs in this world. There's a lack of workers in this world. Jobs are not the problem. Responsible human beings are the problem. If you're hungry enough, you'll learn how to say, can I take your order at McDonald's if you're hungry enough and want money. If you're hungry enough, you'll ride the back of a trash truck and collect trash. If you had to, it doesn't matter if it's $25 an hour or $17 an hour or $13 an hour. If you're hungry enough, you'll figure out a way to eat. Everybody wants a $40, a $40 an hour job but don't want to work five hours a week for it. Hello. They want to get paid like they're the CFO and they don't even know how to tie their shoes in the company. Hello? This world is full of expectations of what people want, but they want things they're not willing to work for. Years gone by, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, those eras, my grandparents, your family, your parents, your grandparents, others, they didn't have unlimited amounts of money just sitting around in the bank to be lazy. They got up early in the mornings before the chickens got up to go out to the barn and, and get the cow's milk before anybody else because little Johnny was going to need cereal that morning, but he didn't have time to go to Walmart and just drop $2.35 or $3 a gallon at Walmart. He went out there and milked the cows so that by the time Johnny woke up at 7, there was milk in the house. And then he had to leave there, and he had to go to the chicken coop, and he had to collect the eggs because grandmama had to make eggs, but you didn't have the money to go. You had to go get the eggs out of the coop. 
But then as soon as everybody ate breakfast, he had to go back out there and put feed out there for them. But then he had to go check the hooves, and he had to go feed the cattle, and he had to go make sure everything was done for the day. Then he had to get on the tractor. And then he had to go out there and he had to plant seed and he had to till the ground and he had to plow the ground so that we would have dinner that night from the fruits and vegetables that he grew throughout the year. Some of y'all have gardens still today. They're not easy to maintain. They take work. Now they're great to have. Everybody loves the bell pepper Miss Brenda and Brother Stan brings or the peppers that Miss Brenda uh, Burbage brings or, or the tomatoes that other people bring. It's great to eat, but somebody had to work to get them to that point. It takes work. It took fertilizer. It took water. It took pruning. It took making sure that it didn't have root rot. It made, made sure they had enough potassium and nitrogen in the soil and to keep it. It took work to get it to that point. You see, there's a lot of things in this world people want stuff but what you got to understand while David is giving his jobs and while some of them were noble there were some people that never heard their name called for a job that day there are thousands of people in the kingdom standing up waiting just hoping like a good talent show or an award show they're waiting to see who got first place who got second place who's going to be living in the palace who's going to be over this they saw all the jobs on the wall and they were like I wonder who's going to get that job but when David said dismiss there were some that left the room disappointed because their, their name did not get called at all. Joash may not have got a big pomp and circumstance, but at least he got his name on the board. It's not so much about the prestige, the, the prestige of the job as much as it is about being faithful to the job God called you to. It's great that this worship team and band and singers are seen on Sunday morning, but I thank God for the people who collect the trash in the nursery on Sunday morning, too. I thank God for the people that when we have a death in the church, while I'm out there trying to minister to family, somebody's cooking ham. I'm praying with the family, but I'm also, somebody in this church is cooking ham so that family can be fed that afternoon. That's important to me may not be important to you, but it's important to me we have ham when they show up. It's important to me that we have macaroni and cheese when they get here. Yesterday and this weekend, I'm almost finished, but yesterday and this weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday, I stood here enamored by how blessed we really are. See, we didn't have to have the yard sale because we're broke. We were actually trying to raise money so that we could do more stuff kingdom of God we're not broke you heard our financial report we're not broke thank God it's not ours it's all credit to God but we're not broke but I watched over the last two days people work as one well-oiled machine unpacking this box packing this box setting up this table grabbing this table laying hot dogs out cooking hot dogs making chili getting drinks making sure this person got their stuff to the car like a well-oiled machine all weekend long. You see what I'm trying to tell you is everybody at the church, all you know, how many people was here this morning, all those people that were here this morning, not all of them may have been out here working this week. But I'll tell you right now, the ones that were working here this week, they made a difference for the kingdom. There's people that have come to this church over the last day, today, that were that were literally only introduced to this church in Jesus because of the people that were out there selling a dollar plate. You think it was worth a dollar for somebody to come to church? I do. 
If, it, if I knew every Saturday I could have a yard sale and the next day somebody from the yard sale would come to church, we'd have a yard sale every Saturday. I'd personally run it. Because a dollar dish is worth a soul in this house. That's a good investment to me. Now, if they want to give $5 for that plate, that's good too, but I'll take the dollar if I can get them to church. The reality of it is, Joash, while the job wasn't really that great, it seemed like you got to remember who he was working for. Joash wasn't just keeper of oil in general. That's not the job. David is giving administration, giving jobs of administration in his palace. The priests already have the oil taken care of at the temple. That's their job. And Brother James, if you want to have light at your house, it's your job to have oil at your house. Joash's job was not to make sure that he was just watching over the oil in general. What made his job important was whose oil he was watching. He wasn't watching Joe's oil. He wasn't watching Jeff's oil. He was in charge of the king's oil. See, in our journey of faith, whether we ever clean the church, whether we ever do the thankless jobs that God sometimes asks us to do, we got to remember, we're not cleaning the church. We're not doing the yard sale. We're not cooking the ham for the, we're not cooking it for the preacher. We're cooking it because we work for a higher power. We're, we're, we're not cleaning the church because we want everybody to be comfortable in church. We're cleaning it because we wanted the who's who their house to look good when we all arrive. He was working not for just anybody. He was working for the king. But isn't that what we were called to do too? Our bodies don't belong to us. They belong to him. Your body is the temple of yourself? No. It's the temple of God. You were bought with a price. So Miss Patricia and Miss Ann are back here sorting through 4,500 items in the back and having to lay price tags with Sister Beulah and others back there all night long, it seems like. They're not tagging jackets so the preacher looks good on the budget next year. They're tagging jackets because they're going to meet people they're going to introduce to Jesus. They're doing the king's business. It's not they're working for me. They're working for him. When Sister Sherry and Miss Bracing gets up there and sings, whether we're on key or not, we like to be on key. Those are helpful. But when we're not, we're not singing for you. We don't sing, there's nothing greater than Brother James, or there's nothing better than Primo and Nell. We sing, there's nothing greater than you, God. We don't sing, how great is Brianna. We sing, how great is our God. We don't sing just a little talk with Mike makes it okay. We sing just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. We're not singing because we want you to enjoy it. Now, I'm going to be honest, getting yourself in trouble again. Miss Carol, you better come before I dig myself in a hole I ain't getting out of. There's a lot of churches, their church service are performances. I'm just going to be frank. Not every church is worship. Some of them are performances. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm going to go out on a step further. I'm Church of God through and through. I'm like fourth generation on my mom's side or something like that. I'm so Church of God. I came out and I already, it was like John the Baptist. I felt like I was saved coming out because I love Jesus, you know. 
I've been to so many. I went to camp meeting two weeks old. I mean, two weeks. I'm talking about I was hearing them sing, swing wide the gates before I even knew how to swing open my eyes. Hello? And this is God's honest truth. I could sit through the entire worship set and love it and not make a sound. You bring in the third assistant general overseer to preach, I scream bloody murder. I didn't want to hear nothing that man had to say, even as a baby. Just shut up, take me out of here. It's the truth. Now, I'm sure some of y'all wish that we sang and I'd shut up and get you out of here. The point to be made is this. I've been to Church of God camp meetings. They weren't worship. They were performances. And that's my own family, church family. I've sat in Cle I've sat in Malden and I've sat in PD where I got up there and, and there were people that responded, sure, but I sat there and I thought, this is a show. This is just to show the talent of said, said church, or this is to show that, yeah, they might have masked it as, oh, we're here to worship God, but if you really watch it, it was about, look at us, we're great, aren't we? I'm going to help you with something that's going to rock your theology. If you sing every song that, if you have a whole entire word, I'm not talking about learning new songs. But if you sing an entire worship set that ain't nobody ever heard of a day in their life, you can't expect them to worship to nothing they know. Hello? I mean, I'm all about learning new songs, but I don't bring out every new song without a hymn or something here because you can't worship if you don't even know what the next line is. It's hard. Sometimes I've sat in those services and I thought I came to a Church of God concert. That's what I came to today. we have to remember is everything we do we're not doing it for me when they sing they don't sing to you they don't sing for you they sing with you because we're singing it to him for him not everybody may stand on this stage and sing it but everybody that sings in this audience with those on stage we're an audience of one we're not singing it to each other we're singing it to him work for him every day and I close every day brother Primo I bet you Joash walked out there and he kept thinking to himself another day another job more oil or brother James every day he walked up there and he poured the oil inside the lanterns and he poured the oil in the kitchen and fire would fire up for the grill in the kitchen and the oil would light up the hallways of the house and begin to see lights turn on all throughout the corridors of the hallway. I don't think he was arrogant, but I wonder if there was sometimes Joash stood back while everybody's getting praise and he just stood back with his arms folded against the wall when the when the king is having his corporate business meetings in the palace. I wonder if Joash just leaned up against the wall and thought, if you only knew, I could have made this meeting real miserable if I would have forgot the oil today, wouldn't it? Not arrogant, but just kind of taking a sense of ownership. I work for the king. Johnny's out there. I wonder if you ever looked over the bow of the palace. You saw Johnny out there in the field. Nobody knew that Joash had went down that morning to get oil out the cellars, but Joash is still in the palace looking out over the thing, thinking, I never thought I'd live in a palace. I never thought I'd work for a king. I never thought that I would, I remember, if he's over the king's oil, guess who he gets to talk to every day? Nobody else could go up and knock on the king's front door and walk in and say, David, I need to have a word with you. That ain't how it works. You could die. Go read it in the Bible. That's why Esther was afraid to appoint. She was the wife, the queen. 
She was afraid to go to the king because she knew if I had not summoned, I could die. But if you got to go into the bedroom where the king sleeps because he has to have lights, and if you've got to go into the throne room because he's got a meeting that day, he can't kill you because you're the ones going to turn the lights on. So every day while everybody else is like, oh, I really need to talk to the king. I really need to get in there. While everybody's afraid, Joash is just, morning, guys. Good to see you. Good morning. Morning. I wonder how many times that he walked by, everybody's like, oh, um, can, can somebody let me go? And he's just walking by, excuse me, excuse me. Who are you? Oh, I just keep the oil in the dungeon. Sorry, I'm just coming up from the cellar. Excuse me. Good morning. Good morning. I wonder how many times he opened the door, guards standing there, and they go, yep, what do you want? You can't enter there. He goes, oh, the king needs his lamp. I, I need to get in there just so he can turn the light on when he gets up this morning. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Opens the door, shuts the door behind him while everybody else is locked out. Guess who's walking in the palace, into the bedroom with the oil? Good morning, king. Morning, sir. Everybody else might have thought it was a pointless job, but actually he had more access closer to the king than anybody else. That's what happens when we get saved. The Bible says we can boldly come into the throne room of God where we find help in time of trouble. We don't have to wait for the preacher to do it. We can go in and say, morning, James. Morning, Wendell. Morning, Beulah. And walk around. Where, who do they think they are? Oh, I'm just going to the throne room because I know the king. Who do you think you are? I'm not nothing. I just keep oil for a living. But 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 God, it's in there. He inhabits the praises of his people. And my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and I've got to go talk to the king this morning. I've got to go give the king his oil today. The oil of my worship. The oil of my praise. Good morning. How you doing? Who do you think you are? Oh, I, just, I just work for the king. You're important. You're important. Because you're just not anybody. You are a keeper. pray. Eternal Father, I've done my very best today to preach your word. God, we have truly have felt you in this place today. Father, I pray that you would be with us as we leave this place. You would go before us, behind us, and beside us. Father, I know this may not have been a run the aisles and shouting message. But I pray it was a message that would resonate in our heart. We just don't work for anybody. We actually work for somebody that's very important. We don't have just little tiny jobs. Even if others in this world don't see it, we work for the king. We have access to him that nobody else has access to. So Father, today pray when we leave this place we can truly and 100% say it was good to be in the house of the Lord Father I pray that you would go you would bless us and keep us make your face shine upon us be gracious to us and lift up your countenance give us a peace that surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts may the words of our mouth the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight O Lord our strength and blessed redeemer in the name of the Father, Son and Spirit we pray People of God said amen. Amen. Love, I'm going to ask you to stand for our benediction and prayer of dismissal. I ask you to stand all over the house. Thank you for being here. Don't forget this Wednesday is Bible study at 7 p.m. And our regular service on Sunday, uh, 10 a.m. Sunday school, 11 a.m. worship, and 6 p.m. Uh, evening service.
Um, I will not be here on Sunday morning. Uh, I've had the opportunity to go preach uh, homecoming. Uh, and so I will actually be uh, preaching a homecoming. I'll be back on Sunday night. My brother Art will be here on Sunday morning to just cover for me uh, while I preach a homecoming. Uh, so pray for me this week that the Lord would give me uh, the right word for that church. Uh, I am humbled. They asked me to come. Uh, but I, I don't want to go. It's, again, as I've just talked about now, I don't want to go because I want them to know who I am as a guy on the flyer. I just want God to show up and that church to be blessed by, by the power of Jesus Christ. So I will be here Wednesday night, and I'll be here next Sunday night. But uh, next Sunday morning, if you can, please come and support the former shepherd of this house. Pastor Art, he's going to have a dynamic word. Every time he preaches, he always has a word from God. And uh, he's a great communicator of the gospel, and you'll love him. And, uh, and uh, Sister Faye is actually going to sing next Sunday for us. We're super excited. She has agreed to sing next Sunday for us. So pray for her. Pray for my father because he's got to play the song she's singing. Even if he doesn't know it, he's the guy that has to play it for her next week. So pray for him, too, as he's got to make sure he knows what she's singing. But, uh, but we, uh, we love you, and we are, we are appreciative of everything you've done. For all that have helped this weekend, I do want to say one more time to all of you that cooked and, and, and made hot dogs and chili and all of you that worked the yard sales, bagged and tagged and toted and coated and did everything we could do out there, thank you because we couldn't have done it without you. I think the total was over 18 when we finally got the numbers out. So it was a total of over 1,800 after all the things came in today of everything. And uh, just to tell you how good God was, we had some visitors today, some folks that were visiting us through different places. But this morning on this property between... The, the 14 or so in Children's Church and in the back, whatever, 84 people today were on this property. So to God be the glory for that today. So God is good. I'm going to ask Brother Randy to close us in prayer and then we'll be dismissed. God bless you.